Welcome to Mentors on the Mic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Simone Miller, a New York City native actress with credits in film, television, off-Broadway, and commercials. Every Monday, I'll bring you an incredible mentor in the entertainment industry, focusing on how they started and how they moved up to where they are today. My goal is to encourage you to follow your dreams and give you a playbook on how to get there. Thanks for listening and let the episode begin. All right, welcome to Mentors on the Mic. I'm so excited to introduce you to our mentor this week. This is an interesting intro because I already recorded an intro for our mentor this week, and I've decided to re-record it and put it out there because something's changed. So Grammy-nominated songwriter Autumn Rowe is now Grammy-winning songwriter Autumn Rowe. Last night was the 2022 Grammys, and Autumn Rowe won... Um, for her participation in John Batiste's We Are album, winning Best Album of the Year. The biggest award of the night. Huge. Um, so thrilled to, to share the story about Autumn and how she grew up and how she started entertainment. She has done so much, not just as a songwriter or as an artist, but also... You know, just she was a coach for the X Factor for America's Got Talent, has worked with, you know, everyone from One Direction to John Batiste to Grace Vanderwall to uh, Carly Rose Sonnenclair to Diana Ross to, um, you know, just so many people. And the list goes on and on. So without further ado, here's Grammy winning Autumn Rowe. All right. Autumn, thank you so much for joining us. And I always like to start with what was your first role in the entertainment industry? Thank you for having me, first of all. Um, Super happy to be here. So my first job in entertainment was actually an intern. So I started interning at 16 years old for Island Records, Island Black Records in in the middle of Manhattan. Yeah. Which is huge. How'd you get that internship at 16? Girl. I'm a hustler. I'm a, yes. I'm a hustler. So like, um, no, like, so basically there was this um, job conference my high school had for seniors. Oh, yeah. Right. So I wasn't a senior. I was like just starting high school, but they let two kids who were younger join this job conference. And I was one of them. And I was like, wow, this is my opportunity, you know? So <laughs> I yeah. was going around to all the different tables and introducing myself and asking if there was like room for me to have an internship, even though I was one of the youngest people there, I got two cards that, and I followed up. One was a casting direct, director, um, Melicent Diane, who was amazing. And the other one was uh, Island Records. Mm. So I ended up uh, interning for both actually. Nice. But I gravitated more towards the, the music uh, record company side. That was my first start. So for a whole year, I would Basically, I worked in promotions and mm. basically what I did was give vinyl to DJs. So I had this long list of DJs and I would call them and say, hi, you're the new vinyls in and they would all come by and pick it up. So I got to know tons of DJs uh, that wow. way. I would meet artists. So I used to follow different artists on the label and like meet them in the bathroom or like, hi, mm. I'm a big fan or whatever. I would get to go to some of their shows if they were like, if they allow teams, you right. know, like if they were playing like the mall or something like that, I would yeah. go. 
did you want to work in labels? Did you know what you wanted to do in the music industry? So at 16, I thought I wanted my own record company. So my mom got me these like label makers from Staples. So I was printing out AR records, like for Autumn Row Records and putting these stickers everywhere. I was like, AR records is is going into motion pretty soon. You know, I'm just (laughs) starting out here with my internship, you know, but I'm on my way. Um, (laughs) Yeah, right. So like uh, a year into this internship, I realized I don't want to work at a label. I don't want to be on the label side. As I was also in this internship, I was in about four different choirs. Yeah, you were singing. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm really enjoying more like singing and this Mm. kind of side more. So um, I abandoned my internship career for for singing. (laughs) And so, so then what after? So you were, now you were obviously singing. What was your next step? What was your next foray into the industry? Um, So that one of the choirs I was in was called the New York City Housing Authority Choir. Um, And for anyone who's not familiar with NYCHA, that is basically the projects. So a bunch of talented kids that lived in the projects were auditioned and we got into this, I'll say life-changing choir. Basically this choir opened up a lot of doors. So we were performing at Radio City Music Hall. We were performing at the Beacon Theater. I was performing with Ringo Starr. I was performing with Roger Daltrey, Phoebe Snow, Peter Frampton. Wow. I was doing things so young and I didn't even understand the depths of them until much older, you know, later in life. I'm like, wait, you used to hang out with a beetle, like, like, bro, like so weird. So like, (laughs) uh, I didn't even realize what exposure I had. So I basically learned harmony and I learned a lot Mm. about songwriting from that choir because we literally studied British rock we studied mm. all the Beatles. We studied all this music in and out. Like I had to know so many different parts of these songs. And we had like an orchestra with this choir. You know, I was listening to like orchestral parts and I was listening to choir parts. I was listening to lead parts. We just like, this choir was, was incredible. Yeah. By the way, it was only like 20 of us in it. You know, it wasn't wow. big. From that choir, a few other girls and I started a girl group. We did that for like three or four years. Wow. What was the girl group's name? What wasn't our name? We just had so many names. Yeah. We were really young, you know? Yeah. um, It was fun. We should just sing on the train. We should sing everywhere we could sing. We sing for anyone. We sang for Ray Charles. That is so cool. So like we met Ray Charles. My first flight ever was to Vegas at at like 18 years old or something. Wow. I'd never been on a plane. We went to Vegas to this magic convention, which is like a fashion convention basically, but it's called magic for some reason. I don't know why. Basically at the airport, I see this man kind of far in the back. I was like, oh my God, that's Ray Charles. Like we have to, we have to talk to him. So <laughs> I went up to him and I was like, hello, Mr. Ray Charles. I'm such a big fan of yours. We would love very much if we could sing you a song. And we sang him a song and he get his like manager was there. He actually gave us his card. I don't think I followed up sadly. I have that picture still us with Ray Charles and that's like such a highlight that's so, so cool so cool. it's also cool to think of you know I grew up in the city as well and so it's it's a cool thing to think like on the way to school for me I might have been on the subway listening to you guys sing you could have been yeah our, or our choir was constantly leaving choir and we all get on train we just start singing for fun that's so cool once the girl group and I we parted ways I was then in a band like with a drummer keyboard DJ all that 
for like five or six years and we worked with Swiss Beats. You know, how'd you get that hookup? Our guitar player was friends with someone who worked with Swiss. He ended up getting a job as his driver. It's all about networking, <laughs> huh? One day as he was driving, he played one of our songs, I think. That's cool. And he was like, what's that? And it was like my band. And then Best we thing. developed a relationship with him and you and know, you signed he, a development deal with him at some point, right? Then was some, it was some like point, a, right? a handshake deal. You okay. Say. Yeah. But I feel like there's a lot of that in the music industry from what I'm hearing. There's a lot of handshake deals. Yeah. Yes. Like I, I was talking to um, a manager, Lucas Keller. He does um, uh, milk and honey ventures, music, etc. Anyway, the point is, is that he says for all of his artists, he does handshake deals. Like he's like, we do yeah. contracts with everyone else, but with our artists, we do handshake deals because at some point, if they don't want to be with us, we don't, you know. I don't need to be with them anymore and vice versa. Like I want us to always be able to leave. I want us to be able to stay together. And I'm like, that it doesn't happen in, at least in the acting industry very often that I know of. So I find that to be really sort of unique in the music industry from what I'm hearing. I'm a supporter of it. I think it's a healthy relationship. It doesn't work for everything, of course, yeah. because you do need to have terms for certain things, but Absolutely. for certain relationships and certain personalities and certain certain things it works. I know a lot of management deals that are uh, handshake deals and, you know, that's just a very honest, open relationship. It is, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It can be totally fine. We were in the band and I learned a lot from Swiss. Swiss is a great mentor and he he just, he's such a talented person. So And did he lead you to Estelle? Like, was that, was there some sort of thing? Yeah. Forgot about that. Wow. It's so crazy. One of the first artists I ever collaborated with who was like someone who was successful in that way already was Estelle. She recorded a song, a chorus I wrote. And we never, actually, I don't think we even ever put the song out. It was such a cool experience to yeah. see like, she already put out American Boy. You know, oh yeah, I was a, gonna ask, if, yeah, post-American Boy. Yeah, it was such a big hit for her. I've heard her sing live. She's incredible. She's super talented. She is super talented. And we're still friends today. Oh, good. Which is really cool that I for, I keep forgetting that it was so long ago. <laughs> my goodness. It's an interesting thing, like going back to the beginning and like taking it and you're like, oh, that, yeah, that happened. I'm glad you Especially reminded me friends of that. Now. It's crazy. That was the first time I was like, wow, this is how it works, you know? Because mm. when you're, when you're in a band and you're like playing underground shows and you're in this, you know, live music scene, there's such a disconnect between that and the world of like writing with artists mm. and getting on the more like commercial side of success, it is very hard to like cross over because you feel like you're just in a complete, like you're in another universe. It's almost like the multiverse for you. It's like, <laughs> how do I get there? I tried so hard. I used to enter all these contests to get music supervisors to listen to my songs. I would pay like $25 per submission. Yeah. You know, like I just had no idea when Estelle sang my song, I was like, wow, this like, this is how this works. Okay, cool. So then after the girl group, then I was in the band for like five or six years. And then as I was in the band, I was always writing and writing and writing because I wrote, we wrote all our own music. Right. And so that muscle was already in place. Yeah. And I loved writing to live instruments. I was also though, like I learned Pro Tools and I, I knew how to record myself and yeah. how to like- Super important. Super important. I knew how to like copy and maneuver the loops track, and stuff. Like audience, yeah. yeah. And then I think shortly after you might've signed with someone's 
yeah, so then in 2009, 2010, I uh, signed a publishing deal, EMI Music and Stellar Songs. Basically, I, I'm in the band, right? As I'm in the band, I'm also in a wedding band on the weekends, horror days. Um, so I'm in the wedding band, but I was grateful for it because it paid really well. Yeah. So wedding band, my band. And I wanted, at this point, I was really focused on like, I need to be, to get a publishing deal. Like I okay. need to be writing for other artists. Okay. How do I get my songs out? So I understood I needed a catalog of music. I began writing like an insane amount. This was probably the, one of the hardest years of my adult life because I was working like 80, 90 hours mm. a week and I would record the studio I was using was two hours away. Wow. So I would get out of work at 6.30 or 8.30, depending on my shift, and then go to the studio, write and record a full demo and come back home. So these were like, I was getting like four or five hours of sleep, doing it again, doing it again, then performing on weekends. Like it was exhausting, but I needed to get up. I wanted to get out of the situation. So basically after a year working at this job, I was working at a shoe store. I saved up a week of paid vacation. And I said, I need to write something this week so I can quit my job and got a hotel room close to this studio. On the third day, I wrote a song called Happiness. And that song was a song that eventually allowed me to quit my job. That song got to these producers. Yeah, thank gosh. That song got to these producers uh, called Stargate. How did you get to Stargate? How'd you get it to them? So the guys I was working with in New Jersey knew a man named Danny D who had, who was just starting a publishing company called Stellar Songs. And they were partners with Stargate. It was their company altogether. Stargate at the same time, in addition to them starting their publishing company, they also were starting a record company with Jay-Z called Star Rock. Right. One of the first things they put out was this little young artist named Alexis Jordan, but they didn't have a first single. Mm. so happiness fit her and she recorded it everyone liked how it sounded jay-z and everyone was behind it and that and led to me getting an offer for my publishing deal yeah this wasn't a handshake deal right no they don't do handshake publishing there deals. you go there you go see it's a good thing to differentiate between they don't do handshake publishing deals because you can't because there's way too many too much administration yeah it's just impossible. It's a lot to of do. legalities too. So, yeah. and then this became the 2011 FIFA Women's World Cup theme song, right? So, yes. how long did that take between giving it to her, maybe, and then getting that picked up? So, I wrote it in 2009. It was released in 2010, and FIFA was 2011. Wow. So, it took about okay. two years for okay. that to happen. Yeah. And so, then what? What was next? So, now you're with them. Right. I think uh, shortly after maybe you wrote the song Rockstar for Eva Simmons, right? Oh, no, that was no? years before. That was years before. Oh, see, my. You've de- clearly done some research. No, Rockstar, Eva Simmons, that was like around the time of um, maybe even before Estelle, actually. Okay. I was working with a producer named Gary Haas. Gary Haas is like one of the first people to ever work with me in music. He, we would write songs all the time nobody would write songs with me and he would basically he got the song through I think through Billy Mann to Eva Simmons it was never released 
I don't know if that album was released. Mm. Oh, I feel bad. That's, I mean, that must be really difficult to, to have a whole album put together and then not have it be released. I mean, it happens all the time, but I still feel. I'm not sure if it a, was. Yeah. But I heard her sing it live, which was on um of some radio show. So that was really cool. So I have these little like. Little spurts of like like uh something cool happening or some like a big yeah like a success almost or it's almost like you know what it is you need you need a little encouragement to keep going yeah and even if it's not like oh you got a big song out or something but just the fact that somebody liked your song enough to record it is a big deal you have to hold on to those wins yes and those those little things like the fact that somebody would just take a meeting with you the fact that somebody would just even listen to your song and, and record it those little things like those are the the breadcrumbs we need to keep going especially through the rejection through the downs you're like oh, i have to hold on to those those goods those moments those meetings exactly after happiness i wrote her next two singles and mm-hmm. then i started um i met with simon cowell's company psycho music and I began working with a lot of their artists. So I started working with One Direction. Right. Cher Lloyd, Leona Fifth Lewis. Harmony. That was a bit later. It was later. They didn't, they it didn't was exist the same yet. People yet, right? It was the same people yes. later. Yeah. Just check. Because I was working with their artists a lot. So then I wrote a song of Swagger Jagger for Cher Lloyd. Yeah. Which, what, which, what I loved. I've, I've listened to her audition for X Factor like maybe 20 times over the years. I just love her audition. I love Swagger Jagger. It was, she's a cool vibe, cool sound. She's so cool. Thank you, by the way. So after that, I got interviewed to vocal coach for the X Factor in the UK. That makes sense. It's a good transition. Yeah. So I got interviewed. I didn't get the job. Oh. The following year, I got interviewed again for the US one which at the time the U.S. show had so much hype behind it. Yeah. It was like sponsored by Pepsi and yeah. this. It was like, wow. So I was like, wow, you guys were like interview me? So I did interview for that and I got that job and I was team Brittany. Mm, but I also oh, helped. yeah. Oh, that was a good team. Yay. <laughs> I watched that season too. I, I actually didn't watch many seasons, but I watched all of that season. Oh, good. It was a good season. Yeah. It was the best one. It With, was. I think Demi was there too, yeah. right? It was Demi and Brittany. Demi, I, Brittany. I, yeah, I loved that. And Brittany got the best people. I think she had, did she have uh, 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 Carly Rose Sonnenfeld that year? Yes. And then like- B. Miller. The yes, B. Miller. Yeah. I should remember mm-hmm. that because Miller, my last name. Um, but it was, it was a talented group of people. That was a really good season. So those are all my kids. I coached oh, all of them. Oh, they're so good. I've listened to their stuff on YouTube over and over again too. Oh, good. So, so those good. are our arrangements. Um, so good. Oh my God, those arrangements are so good. Yay. I know it. That's so great. It's a lot of work went into those. My gosh. Sure. Um, How does that work? Actually, let's break it. I've always, I'm kind of curious now. So like when you, you know, talk to them and you're like, obviously there's a couple songs, probably people are talking about needs approval from probably everybody. How do you come up with the arrangement? That's like so good for them, but that also, you know, is good for the show. I feel like there has to be a good combo of those things. Well, the song picking is a long process. Yeah. Long. It, it's, it's like weeks sometimes oh, God. of going through so many songs and seeing what, what would work best. And once we finally decide on the song, and it's a team of people, you know, of course, if the artist has an idea, then we always would like to go with that. But most of the time, people on the shows don't. So 
we all have to figure out the best, you know, possible song to get yeah. to the next uh, level. So basically once the song is picked, we then have to figure out there's a time limit for each song. So it might be like a minute 30 or something like okay. that. Yeah. So then we're like, okay, we have a minute 30 to put this four minute song into the best possible arrangement where it has peaks right. and valleys and it something it, dramatic, it maybe a good ending. Right. So then that's where we kind of like script ad libs. You know, we, we write out everything. So it's like, keeps it exciting. The song really builds and has an emotional moment that, you know, yeah. you, you want to imagine what the background and the staging will do and the outfits and the dancers or whatever, like it all has to be a huge moment. So people keep watching basically. And also the contestant can get to the next level and it suits their voice the right way. Then we, we work on what key works best. Uh, How much does the coach have to do with it? Like did it was Brittany involved in that? I'm sure every coach is different, but I was just curious. Yeah. Every coach is different. I mean, everyone has their own approach. Like I'd say like LA Reed, you know, is an A&R. So yeah. His approach is very different than, you know, an artist approach. Uh, Simon Cowell started out, out as an A&R. Like everyone's very different. I worked with LA Reed with Tate Stevens as well on the show who won. And LA, LA was super hands-on. Like yeah, we would, we would stay there till like 10, 11 at night sometimes. LA yeah. was like actually like all the way in it. So it was, it was very interesting, like, you know, working with people in different ways. So I basically from X Factor did that show and then... I didn't want to do it again. Mm. It was very stressful. And I but got you worked off. with a lot of their artists later, right? Yes. Like you worked with Grace Vanderwall. You worked with one, uh, Fifth Harmony. Yeah. So, okay. So AGT, uh, sorry. So X Factor that season with Brittany, I wasn't team Simon, but Simon wanted me to have Fifth Harmony. Oh. Cause I was kind of like the toughest coach on the show. Interesting. So Fifth Harmony was actually going to, were pretty like low on the show. They were like at the bottom hmm. and gosh, these girls could like do so well if so they're just, good. if they just did, have the right Do you have team. anything to do with the arrangement? I can't remember the song, but it was the one that they did at like the coach's house, I think. And Mark Antony was there. Do you remember that one? It'll come to me, but I've listened to that YouTube song. Like the one where, what's her name? Camila Cabello does like a, like a great run and everyone gets emotional. I've listened to that a million times. It'll come to me. Oh, oh anything can happen. There were two. Oh, yeah. yeah, we did anything that. happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. Oh my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. I had no idea when I was doing my research that you did the, that's so, it's so good. It's so powerful. I love that. Oh, okay. That got me excited. I'm going to re-listen to it after this. Anything can happen was a really special song on that show. Yeah. It, it really was. was. It really, it really like hit, it touches you. Like when you listen to it, yeah. I'll like play back over and over again. And then you hear a moment like Mark Antony is listening to the first arrangement of it. And he also like touches his heart where he's like, yeah. whoo, I mean, and that had to do with the arrangement. I mean, it had to do with the vocalists, but it really had to do with the arrangement and how you guys built it up. So I think Julian Bonetta was the producer mm-hmm. of that track and he did, he did great tracks so good. and, and really laid out a lot of the arrangements uh well as well so yeah I'd work together with the producer and we then I'd coach them and coach them I'd work with them as much as I could making nailing the vocal parts it was a lot of work after x factor that stress level was not healthy for me to continue it was pretty full-on and when a prize is something like five million dollars it just creates an environment that is like and a record deal, you know, it's like the stakes are so high. It's very difficult. 
So after that, I didn't want to do the show again, but I got offered AGT. Which was it similar, the vibe? No. Got it. Completely different. First of all, I was in New York. Uh, I didn't have to be in LA. I, I didn't want to be in LA. Which is already better. I'm already better. Oh, New York. It was New York in the summer. Yeah. Um, AGT is not a music show. Yeah. So it's a talent show, you know? Right. Oh, that makes sense. So it's a different it's a different format and it's not focused on music. So also the prize isn't $5 million. The prize is, you know, a show and I think a Vegas show and a million dollars. It's still a lot of money, of course, but it's just, it's a different environment. It's not so competitive because it's more about kind of like everyone sharing what they can do and their story. And also like a lot of those people, they have such interesting stories and interesting backgrounds. Yeah. So I really felt like I was a part of like helping people's lives being on that show. And it was a very fulfilling experience for a long time. How long were you there for? Five years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that led to Grace Randall, which was, I think, my fourth year on the show. So how different was it like working? I was going to ask working with someone like her who she wrote all her own music, right? Did she write um, her own stuff or we co wrote some stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all that stuff was I was gonna ask, like how to how how do you approach someone like her who's so young, also talented, also writing her stuff, you know, as opposed to some of the other talents that you were working with on other shows who really probably weren't writing any of their stuff and they were doing covers of stuff consistently. Well, she's the only one who did original music oh, wow. on the show. So X Factor doesn't do original music. Got they it. didn't back then, Got at it. least. That wasn't even like really allowed back then mm-hmm. on Got those it. shows. Grace Vanderwall was, was, I think, the first and the most successful person to do original music. And that actually, her doing that, believe it or not, changed the view of people, of these shows letting people do original music. Interesting. So I didn't even think about that until now, but I know for a fact that her success led to the shows not being really open to, well, maybe original music could mm. get, because before it was like, basically the thinking process is like, okay, well, if, if a viewer hears a song they already know or a new song they don't know, they're probably going to tune out, you know, or yeah. not, vote, not vote for your song because many times they vote for a song that they feel more connected to that's popular. And then you could lose the votes just because your song isn't known. So yeah. we kind of wanted to give the contestant the, the most, the best advantage they had to compete. But Grace Vanderwall did so well that it changed people's view of original music uh, and artistry, which is fantastic. How is it writing with her? Easy. You know, yeah. it's, it's easy to write with any artist who knows what they want to say. Interesting. Like for me, it doesn't matter how old somebody is. Somebody could be 10. Somebody could be 90. I've written with people who are in their 80s. I've written with people who are, you know, 12. It doesn't matter. As long as you know what you want to say, it's the same, it's the same experience of like, let's just let's just get the message out. The hard part is when you don't, when if someone doesn't know or haven't isn't isn't ready yet to say anything to express themselves. Yeah. Then that's, that's pretty challenging. Yeah. What do you recommend for people who don't have that idea, who might not have that? whether it's a purpose or a story or something that they want to tell, what do you recommend? Go live your life. Um, if you don't feel like you have anything to say in the song, then maybe you're not ready to sing it. You know, maybe you're not ready to 
you got to also think like, do you want to be an artist or, or a singer? And if you want to be a singer and just sing songs, that's totally okay. Yeah. Um, also, you might not need to be in the studio session while the song is being written if you're, if you're not contributing to that process. Mm-hmm. So with that said, though, some artists are not necessarily, you don't have to be a writer, right. but like for me, you just have to have something, something, some kind of little story I can pull from. Also, I'm very excited by a great voice. So like my muse is like either a great story or great voice. I like that. Yeah. So either one, I'm like, Ooh, exciting. Yes. (laughs) And do you have any tips for some songwriters about like how to craft story, how to craft story within song? Anything you can share? Absolutely. So when writing a song, I like to approach it as if it is a story. So, and this, this really helps if you're starting out. So like I tell, I'll tell people like, okay, what's your song about? What's the title? Let's think about that. Okay. Got your title. Boom. Now let's just do a one line sentence. What is your verse about? One liner, because it should be that easy to digest. Mm. One line. My verse is about, I think my boyfriend is cheating. What's your pre-chorus about? My pre-chorus is about, I have insecurities. Okay. What's your chorus about? My chorus is about, he's not cheating. It's all in my head. Okay. You got three lines, right? That's yeah. what, that's what your whole song is about. And you got your title. So now you just got to fill in the, fill in the, the gushy stuff, you know, meat yeah. and potatoes, but it's done. Your song's written. The hard part is if you're starting out as writing songs, a lot of people just kind of sing melodies. Sometimes they want to go on the mic, sing melodies, sing melodies, and not that many people are, are so good that they can just sing melodies and put together a great song. There are some people who are fantastic at it. The majority are not what you end up creating most of the time is a vibe. You're like, oh, this is a vibe, but do you want a vibe or a record? I want records. I want songs. I want songs that people can just like remember and they can sing a cappella. They can sing to a guitar. You can sing to a piano. I want a a full on like verse, chorus, boom, boom, boom. Very clean laid out parts. (laughs) So it depends on what you want. You know, that's my preference. And that doesn't mean it's the right or wrong way. It's just completely interpreted to like how, how you are as an artist. So it can go either way, really. Actually, that I just thought of another question when you said that, would you rather, I, I had this conversation, I mentioned earlier, Lucas Keller um, at Milk and Honey, and he was saying he personally, and he has a different perspective. He's a manager, he represents songwriters, but he was like, I'd rather have a songwriter who writes a song that like gets remembered forever, gets played forever than a number one hit. He's like, number one hits are super fleeting. So everyone thinks that's what they want. He's like, you really want a song that you're going to get residuals to all the time that people are going to continuously ask you to be a part of or play or be a calling card for you. Do you feel the same way? 100%. I'm not in the business of wanting to make disposable music. I'm far less concerned with a song just getting like all the attention for the moment and maybe Mm. a ton of playlisting, but then it's forgotten about in a week. That for me is not the long game. I want songs that are going to last for years and years and years. I want songs that, that brands want to use for their campaigns. The I want weddings song- play. Yes. Wedding- I want songs that yeah. give people memories that make people feel a certain way. I want to be a part of people's lives. I want to enhance their lives. You know, I yeah. want to be, I want to be a part of the special moments. And mm. a lot of that, you know, has to do with also music that sonically last 
Yeah. You know, as the sounds change so much. So it's, yep. it's, it's a mix of a lot of things. Do you feel like you, like, can you name a couple songs that you feel like you've been a part of that fit that category that you're proud of? Well, I'm going to a hundred percent plug yeah. John Baptiste. I was going to um, say, I'm sure I was like, that'll be a great 100%. segue into the next part. So go on. A hundred percent plug yeah. my man. Um, yeah. I Special feel like songs. I, I thank you. I think, you know, we are, is not a big radio hit album. It's not an album that's, you know, going for top 40 in that way, but you know, President Obama said, put it on there on his playlist, right? Put it on his playlist. He's, he said, it's a part of American culture. Mm. He said, it's a part of music culture. One of the songs is in a, in an African-American museum in, in Nashville. The song, the album was a part of Black Lives Matter, you know, like it, this album is just so much more than songs. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's so much more than like, it hits so differently when it has such a message the way it does. And the fact that it's had any level of commercial success is such an icing on the cake because just to even be able to create and and be a part of something like this was just in many ways enough for me. Yeah. You know, so all of this bonus stuff is just so like appreciated. Yeah. And actually working with him, I heard you, I've, I've seen stuff you've said where you were just like, it's, it was an incredible collaboration. Just the process of working on this, these songs were amazing. Working with John is the best. The problem with working with John is he ruins you. Cause you don't, <laughs> you're like everything else. You're just like working with other people. You're like, what? <laughs> well, he's definitely set, he's set the bar. Yeah. I'll say that he has set the bar really high and he's changed he's changed me a lot. And I didn't, I haven't even told him this yet. Like I got to tell him when I see him, I've been writing for a long time before I met John. I always wanted to make an album like we are. I wanted to make an album like we are since I started music. Like my biggest influences are Stevie Wonder, Soul Motown. Like that's, that's my heart. Like Marvin Gaye, like all the music that we were inspired for in this album was what I always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, if you want to make a living, as, as a top liner and you, you do the work that you have ac- you know access to. It's really hard to survive without doing you know pop and you gotta just do what you can do. And I love, yeah. you know, with that said, I love a lot of the music I've made of and course, I'm of proud of it. And I, and I love pop music forever. As a human, you know, like as, as you're on this earth, what did you wanna say kind of thing? Yeah. Like, what was your, what was your message kind of vibe? You know, like when you're 90 years old and you're looking back, you're like, did I say everything I wanted to say? And for me, we are, is a part of that, of just as a woman, like something I really wanted to leave on this earth to be a part of, of John's messaging. You know, John is a vessel for so much. So for like, for God or the universal, whatever happened to like, use me in that way to assist is, is just so, is so like fulfilling. <laughs> Yeah. I'll cut that clip and send it to you. So you could just send that to him. That way you don't have to have a separate conversation. You'll just have that clip to send. 
And then, so congratulations are in order. So you have four Grammy nominations for Thank We you. Are. We have uh, Record of the Year for Freedom, Album of the Year for We Are, Best Traditional R&B Performance for I Need You, and Best R&B Album for We Are. So how did that feel? Where were you when you heard? Oh my God. Such so, a big deal. <laughs> the morning of the nominations, I knew exactly when they were, and I knew they were going to announce them on like Instagram Live or something. So I deleted Instagram. Then I hid under my sheets. I went in my bed and put my covers over my head. And I was watching like some, I had some silly show on that was so not connected to anything. I just wanted any distraction I could find. Yeah. Cause I was stressed. Yeah. The body feels it. You feel it. Just for some like hindsight on, we are like, I felt when we made, we are, I felt like, okay, I think this is the best, the best thing I have done yet in my career and mm-hmm. and the best, the best work I'm capable of making right now. This Got was, it. you know, when you make a lot of music, you hold back, you like, oh, we can't use those chords because yeah. that's not pop. We can't say that because that that's not commercial. We can't do this. We can't. Oh, we are, we used all of our musicality. We used all everything we wanted. We had we did not hold back at all. Wow. You know, and that was the first time I was able to use like a hundred percent of what what I had in me. I felt like, well, this is, this is that, this is it. This is my soul. So yeah. if, if this isn't received in the way I would need it to be received, I have to rethink a lot about my career at this point and I have to rethink what am I going to do moving forward? Because I'm not sure what my place is anymore in this. So the weight of us getting on the one nomination, yeah. right? Just one pretty high for me. Yeah. So with, when it came down to that morning of, okay, the announcements, I was a wreck. Yeah. So I put the blanket over my head, you know, my phone wasn't ringing, nothing. Okay. Boom. 20 minutes in or something. My production partner, Kizzo is calling me and I reject. <laughs> You're like, not ready. Like reject. And he calls me again. I was like, reject. And now I'm like, why is he calling just to tell me we didn't get nominated? Like, I don't need to know we didn't get nominated. You know, like I already know. Fine. So I finally pick up and he's on FaceTime and I'm like in my sheets. I'm like, what? (laughs) And he's like, we got it. I'm like, we got what? (laughs) You're like, I need you to be very specific. Yeah, he's like, we, we got what? He's like, what? We, we got nominated. I was like, well, what, for what? <laughs> Which one? Which one? Just, just be really specific. Well, he's screaming. He's like, he's like, album of the year or something. You know, he's like, R&B album. I was like, what? So then as he's saying it, they start announcing all of them. So then he's like, wait, wait, we just got album of the year. And then waterfalls of course yeah <laughs> I mean waterfalls I have never cried like that in my adult life yeah never I could not stop crying and then he's like we got record of the year blah blah and next thing I knew the album got eight nominations and I was like what and then I saw John had 11 I couldn't I, I was like oh my gosh like and it's the thing of like when we made it I was like I felt we I felt John deserved to get nominated. You know, yeah. I believe in this man so much. And I was like, 
there's a difference between believing it's going to happen and, and it actually happening. Yeah. It's a big, big difference. I was like, okay, yeah. nothing can prepare you for it, that feeling. It's crazy. The album was released a year ago this week, a year wow. ago last week. Yeah. Wow. It was only a year. And a year ago, I, I was just, just became a recording uh, Academy voting member. You know, I wasn't even a voting member. So I cried and cried and cried. Could not believe it. So 20 minutes after I found out, I get a call. My, my uncle died. <laughs> and it was literally on the phone. God. I was so excited. And I got, I'm on the phone for an hour. Oh my God. With the poor woman who found him. And so it was a weird day. It was wow, a really weird day. Autumn. I was like, wow, this is like such an extreme emotions. I'm like, I don't even know how to like place any emotion at this point. Like, (laughs) yeah, it was, it was a bit of a day. I have to say, I was like, I'm happy for this one thing, but then I'm like, so sad about this other thing. I'm like, it was kind of a wreck that that was the day. (laughs) That's a crazy day. Well, I'm very sorry about that, obviously. And I, I'm sorry, twofold. I'm sorry that you lost him. And I'm sorry that it happened on the same day. I'm trying to think of a silver lining thing that like <laughs> one happiness helped maybe with the other, but they're really, it's just sucks. That's just terrible timing. It was so weird. Yeah. But, but I'm super happy for you about the four nominations. It's a big deal. Thank you. Thank and, you. And uh, for, for, you know, the first four of many, I'd like to say. Oh, thank you. And, um, one last question before I go into my final questions, the penultimate question, um, how do you get partnered with artists? Do you, so do you, I mean, I assume obviously it's maybe you're publishing. I, I just, that I wanted to just get out there. Like, how do you get partnered with different people? And then in addition to that, how do you try and create your own opportunities as well? So most of the artists I worked with in the last, in the last half of my career have been quite organic. My publisher does not set me up with artists. So, and that's something that a lot of like writers need to understand. Your publisher does not have to set you up with artists. Mm. Um, In the beginning, when you're just starting out, I think publishers are like way more active. Yeah, that's fair. Because you don't know anyone. And, you know, then it kind of gets to a certain point where you kind of know a lot of people and you kind of just go for it yourself. So, a lot of, a lot of my sessions have been really organic. A lot of my, I met John through Instagram. Wait, I, who I, slid into whose DM? Who commented on whose picture? I slid into his DM over a song I heard him record mm. and I heard his vocal and I was so touched by it. I just, I had to follow that voice. And I was, it was a song without any, I didn't know who was singing it. Mm. so um it took me months to figure it out and track him down and for him to even see my dm but finally he did and then that that became the start of wow yeah so like i dm people if i see people out in the street i approach them i met corinne bailey ray because i saw her love her love her i saw her standing one day at an awards show bmi awards and i just went up to her i was like hey i think you're amazing like i'd love to you know, work with you one day or just like, I just think you're great. Diana Ross, I worked with her from running into a friend at a dinner and she said, oh, we're doing a writing camp for Diana Ross. And I said, well, please. I'm a writer. I could get me, get me in that. I just approach artists. Like 
you know, I saw Nick Jonas a couple months ago. I just, Hey, what's up? Is this your same phone number? You know, I just, I just go up to people and yeah. I DM people. I, I approach them. I, um, sometimes people reach out organically themselves and like, yeah. I like to collaborate, which is always great. Sometimes it's through a manager. Sometimes it's through definitely when I was starting out, my publisher sent me up with a ton yeah. of sessions. They were really, especially in the UK, they were fantastic. Yeah. I was going to ask you had a lot of like UK, you know, artists. Yes. Uh-huh. A lot of well, new I artists. I think it's good for people to know that, that that's kind of how it starts. But at the same time, like a lot of the major collaborations you've had in recent years was because of your own initiative, your own drive, your own hustle. And I think, I think it's important for people to know that, that they're not like relying on their laurels or the connections people have that they have to still kind of go out and do it. And I'm sure eventually it'll probably be less of a hustle, but but I think it says a lot about you in terms of your confidence, your ability to put yourself out there and then what can come from that, the great things that can come from that. And like trusting your voice, like you were reaching out to John, but you know, worked so well and, and obviously led to a collaboration that's truly meaningful to you today. So, but I think it's good for people to know that. It's so important for people to know that, like you've got to, you, you can't get complacent and you've got to be a, a like you got to be excited about the artist you, pers- yeah. you pursue. Like a passion. Like- it comes from a passion, it comes from it, an excitement. It comes from passion. I think a big, a big thing though, for that is like, don't just approach an artist because they're popular. Mm. Don't just approach an artist because they're having a big moment or their songs on the radio. Like I, I would only approach an artist if I felt like I had something of value to offer. Yeah. If I felt like, Oh, I have an idea or I have, yeah. I, I know where I, I have, where I can take this, that, maybe they haven't tried yet, but I'd love to like, to share this like experience with them. And like, it has to come from that view, but not, I don't ever approach anyone if they're just like, oh, they're just a hot artist right now. Yeah. Like, but that doesn't mean I have anything good for them. Exactly. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, there has to be some sort of connection there where it makes sense. Yeah. And then last question I always ask my mentors on the podcast, how do you define success? I define success as being happy. You know, I define it as just being happy and living in your truth and feeling like you feeling like you're living in your purpose. Love it. My purpose when I started a very long and when I say started, I mean like when I was like five. <laughs> like my purpose when I decided I wanted to be of service in my life to others in a creative way was to inspire other girls and kids from my background and similar backgrounds that they can also do the same thing that was always the root of why I did this always from the beginning Mm. and that has been the only thing that has kept me going in the moments when it didn't make sense to keep going because I was like well remember if you do this other people can do this if you can do it Mm. you're telling other people they can do it so this is the moment you got to decide which road are you going to take so I kept taking the hard road for that purpose. And I never forgot that's why I started. Oh. For me, that that is happiness because I am living in my purpose. Oh God, I love that answer. Thank you. Well, it's a great place to, to end on. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I wish you the absolute best luck, the Grammys this year. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you haven't yet, do me a favor, drop a five-star review 
follow on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And find me on Instagram. I'm at, at Michelle Simone Miller and at Mentors on the Mic. Share this in your stories. Let me know what you think. Share it with a friend. And I'll see you next time.